Everybody come on in. Uh, if you'd like to, we are going to get started here in a second. Uh, Patterson is going to uh, teach our uh, adult class here. And uh, I want to say a few more things um, about he and Sherry Ann. Uh, they've been married for 12 years. And uh, Patterson's been preaching the word for about 14 years. Uh, started in Trinidad and then in, uh, worked with several of the uh, different islands uh, in the Caribbean and then has been in uh, the States now for three years. Uh, he's been preaching full-time at a, uh, a church in Shirley, Arkansas, and uh, I got to speak to uh, one of the brothers there here a few weeks ago and, and was uh, so blessed by what he had to say about uh, how the man could bring the word. And uh, so we got to experience that this morning, so that uh, was a great blessing. Uh, so Patterson, and I said one thing uh, earlier, let me clarify, I said D-Man, he's uh, starting his Masters of Divinity uh, and some dual credit as early as January. And uh, so uh, just, uh, I said the wrong acronym earlier and somebody grabbed me and said, don't you know what you're doing? And uh, so anyway, so uh, Patterson, come on up, let me pray and then uh, we'll get started with the class. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time that we can uh, just uh, listen to your word, listen to what the Spirit is saying, and Father, just give uh, uh, your man here the words that are necessary to touch our hearts. Mm -hmm. And uh, Father, thank you for the scripture. Thank you for the example. Thank you for uh, everything that you allow us to get to know you better. And uh, Father, we just give you this time. Father, uh, bless Patterson and his words again. And uh, Father, just thank you. Thank you for loving us enough to, uh, to engage with us where we can know you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let me see. Do we have any, like, a couple, a couple of mics that we could just have on standby in case anybody wants to share? during the class that, you know, we could just get those mics to them and get their contribution, all right? So let me go ahead and just, again, say good morning to everyone. It, it still is morning. It, it's, still, <laughs> it's, it's still very much morning. Um, and because I have a little bit more time... Uh, to, to, to be flexible here, let me just do what I think I couldn't have done uh, at the preaching period uh, by just introducing my wife. You guys have been hearing the name sherri but you may, may not have had the opportunity. At least if you were here last night, you probably catched a glimpse of her, but if not, um, I'm just gonna ask sherri to stand. She, I'm gonna put her on the spot, right? <laughs> And of course, the, the, the reason why here is so quiet right now is because our one-year-old is probably somewhere screaming um, <laughs> uh, in the kindergarten or something, but um, we, we're just so thankful for individuals who have a gift to deal with kids when they go through their periods of uh, tired, 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 tiredness <laughs> and, and, and throwing tantrums and stuff. Uh, Sherian is good at that. I'm still learning, so... When he starts acting up, I just, I just want to give him the eye. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
but, but she, she, she's good at, at loving on him and patting him on the back. And uh, I'll pat him on the bottom, but she'll, <laughs> she'll, <laughs> she'll pat him on the back. Uh, I just want to really tell you guys just how much of a joy it's been. And on behalf of my wife and my entire family, um, my daughter has enjoyed just being here, meeting some of the kids. Uh, she's, she's quite a people person until she's tired, but she's enjoyed these kids. Uh, some of you, if, you, if you've had an encounter with her, she, would, she probably just ran up to you. Uh, or particularly Isaiah, he would have just ran up to you and give you a hug or something once we were close. Um, but our kids, I, I think our kids have just enjoyed being here and being amongst you. We have felt safe. Um, we have felt welcomed. We have been well taken care of. And I think that's really a testament to the type of congregation that you guys have here. And I just want to say thank you so much for making us feel the way that we have felt since being here. It really has been a pleasure, and it really has been a joy. And I want you guys to know that we have been praying for the congregation here as you guys transition in various ways, as you go through uh, the transitions that you are facing as a community uh, within the, the area of Antioch, of course, as a church here, as a congregation, uh, as families. You know, got to speak to a few people, a few families um, last night, and, you know, just hearing some of the stories and some of the things that you guys are facing. Uh, and so I just pray, hope, and trust that the message uh, was, in fact, and indeed a blessing. I, I do believe that... Um, you know, God wanted me to speak about, about that today, and so I just pray that the message didn't fall on any deaf ears. What I want to do for the next few minutes is to bring a, a, a meeting, a, a message of sorts that I think is still valuable in the day and the time that we're living in. Uh, if I was to ask anybody here, how would you describe yourself? If somebody was to ask you about your relationship with Jesus Christ, then what would be maybe a word or a phrase that you would use to describe yourself as a believer to that person? Just, just randomly, what would be a term or a phrase, a word, that if I were to ask you as a believer, could you describe your relationship uh, to Jesus Christ, to God? What word or phrase would you use? You don't have to wait for the mic. Just say, say something. Still growing, still growing. Somebody said child. Anybody else? Dependent. All right, let me, let me take this a little bit further. If, you, you know, when you have to fill out forms, anybody here had to fill out a passport form, uh, and, and, and they would ask you, what is your religion? What do you generally put down as your religion? Christian, right? Uh, and so oftentimes when people ask us in a, in a, in a public setting, well, what are you? What, are you? What, is, what is your faith? What is your belief system? Chances are they want to figure out, are you a, a, a Christian? Are you a Buddhist? You know what I'm saying? They, we, we would use these generalized broad terms. And so if we're honest with ourselves, we would identify with Christianity. And so we would, we would generally say, well, I am a Christian. But here's my next question. What does it mean? Think about it this way. What does it mean to be a Christian? If I were to ask you, what does it mean? You, you said you're a Christian. Well, what does it mean to be a Christian? How would you, how would you describe yourself? Let me ask some of the, the high schoolers. If, if I were to ask you, what does it mean to be a Christian? What would you say? Believe in Jesus. 
All right. So that, that's, that's part of it. Anybody else? Love God and love others. So, sounds like you, you're, you're listening to the Antioch motto. <laughs> go, go ahead. Yeah? Follow God. All right. Follow God. So you're a follower of God. Anybody else? If, try to be like Jesus. All right. So you're an imitator. Imitator, right? You're imitating Christ. Uh, anybody else? I'll take about two more really quickly. Serve God with all your heart, right? And brokenness, brokenness. And so when you, when you think about what a Christian is, we have all these descriptors. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I want us to appreciate that in a very fundamental, in a very basic way, from, from a foundational standpoint, we have come to understand that the believer in Christ or the baptized believer is one who is a Christian. So we use the word Christian. And I'm not saying, let me say this right here, right now, I'm not saying for us not to use the word Christian. What I am saying is oftentimes when we use or we think about the word or the term Christian, it doesn't necessarily capture the true essence at the basic form of what a Christian really is. And so that's why we get these, these, multiple these multiple descriptors, child and follow and all these different things, right? Uh, but when you think about on a basic level, what exactly is a Christian? The Bible, indeed, even Christ himself wants us to understand that we are basically disciples of his. Say that with me, disciples. Disciples, all right? And so the reason why I think that's important Everybody here will, will appreciate and, and, and understand the value of clearly defined terms. Let me show you what I mean. Who, who's driving when you drive and you see a sign that says stop, continues? Anybody, anybody here does that? Normally, if you're in the U.S. and you see a stop sign, let me, let me teach the kids, if you see a stop sign, <laughs> you come to a halt right? Of course, you might have the, 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 these other directions. Sometimes you might see three-way, four-way, but the point is, in the U.S., I'm being really specific here. <laughs> in the U.S., when you see a sign that says stop, you come to a halt, and then you progress. I'm telling you, that's in the U.S. <laughs> because if you come to Trinidad and Tobago, and you see a stop sign, that means you slow down, just slow enough to see what's oncoming, and without stopping, you proceed. <laughs> all right? No, it's literally written that way. It's, it's literally written that way, all right? Slow down just enough, see what's going on. If there is oncoming traffic, you stop. If not, you proceed. So clearly defining a term is absolutely important and vital. I'm telling you, if you try to do that in Searcy, Arkansas, if you see a sign that says stop, and you slow down just enough, and then you proceed, chances are you'll see some blue lights flashing behind you. <laughs> and you have to then explain to the officer, officer, uh, uh, you know, uh, I just came here from Trinidad and Tobago. I don't, <laughs> I don't know the rules. I don't know the laws. So it's important... All that to say this, 
it's really important for us to clearly define terms. It's no different in Christianity. So when you think about the Christian being at the very foundation of their being, of our being, being a disciple, we must first appreciate and understand in a basic way, what does it mean to be a disciple? Because it's easy for us to say we are Christians, right? Everyone who is a baptized believer is a Christian. Do we agree with that? Everyone who is a baptized believer is a Christian? Yeah? The term Christian simply identifies the faith that you follow and who you identify with. That's what the term means. And so here is what's happening. Not everyone that's a baptized believer or a Christian is a disciple of Jesus. So it's interesting that we could often use the term, I am a Christian, but not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily mean that while I'm a Christian, which means I'm a baptized believer, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a true disciple. That's different. And so Christ doesn't just call us to be or to, to, to hold on to the term, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Anybody could say they are a Christian once you go down into the watery grave of baptism, right? But he wants you and me to be disciples, disciples of his. At the very basic uh, meaning of the term disciple, let me do this before we get into the book of John. If you don't mind, come with me into the book of John, the gospel of John. Make your way into chapter 8. The Gospel of John, make your way down into uh, chapter 8. And as you make your way into chapter 8, come down to about verse number 31 and 32. The word disciple that is commonly translated disciple in our New Testament is, is often the Greek word or term mathetes, mathetes. Could you, could you say mathetes, mathetes? <laughs> mathetes, right? This word, it's, it's interesting how the Greek language is, is illustrated. Oftentimes with the Greek language and Hebrew as well, but in order for people to understand or at least get an appreciation for what is being said, each word carries, carries with it different meanings, but also paints these very vivid images. And so there, there are pictures that are associated, there are images that are associated with the Greek, Greek words. For example, when you think about the Greek word for sin, harmathia, or armathia, depending on your enunciation, this Greek word for sin, armathia, has this imagery of one who is uh, an archer. And so he or she has a target that they have to hit. And so if the archer pulls his bow back and looses his arrow, and the arrow misses the mark, that's called armathia or sin, to miss the mark. All right, you guys with me? It's also a hunting term. Where in this instance, again, the idea is to go for a kill. And so the mark in this instance is an animal of some sort, a, a deer or, you know, something of that nature. And so if the hunter, usually male, but we'll do it, we'll do it, gen, you know, we'll do it gender inclusive. Where if the hunter, male or female, you know, whether shoots, shoots at or pulls an arrow or whatever, the point is if he or she misses the animal then that's considered to be 
harmathia. That's considered to be sin. Well, how does that relate now to understanding sin in a spiritual context? Well, God has some markers. God has some commands. God has some rules. You see where I'm going with this? God has some, 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 some precepts that he expects of us to hit. And when we miss, that's when we harmathia. That's when we sin. So when... When God says, thou shalt not steal, we know stealing is wrong. And so to miss the mark is to steal. See, you see where I'm going with this? Adultery and all these different sexual acts of immorality is sin. So God says, if you have to have sexual relations, let it be within the confines of a marriage that I have defined as a marriage. I'm being really specific with my language. All right? So let it be within the confines of a union that I have de de defined as being a legitimate union or marriage in my sight. One man, one woman, okay, okay. One man, one woman. All right, you, you husbands, one man, one, one woman. <laughs> one woman for life, right? Just, just pointed at Sherry Andy, one woman. <laughs> so the idea is when you have these, these markers that is prescribed for us, the idea of sin is to miss the mark that, has, that God has set for us to hit, all right? So, so the, the, the Greek language, particularly that we are dealing with right now, the Greek language is so specific in its nature, not only does it have different words to describe, um, you know, particular things like love, there are different words that, that are used to describe love and different forms of love, but it gives us these pictures, these, these images to help us clearly identify with what God is trying to help us to see. With this Greek word, mathetes, it's no different. Mathetes is the idea of somebody who is a pupil, a pupil, right? Somebody who is a follower, somebody who is uh, a mentee to a mentor, someone who has a master. It's a learner of sorts. And so here is the imagery. I want us to appreciate this. The imagery, uh, let, me ask, uh, let me ask Jonathan to just stand for a second and, and come up here. The imagery is one like this. If, if, if I am a follower of, of Jonathan, this is what would generally happen. I would align myself as closely as I possibly could to Jonathan because I'm learning from him. And if I'm learning from him, not only am I learning from him teachings, right? But I'm learning from him uh, persona. I'm learning from him character. I'm learning from him how to navigate situations. So I learn from him, not just from the things he says, but I learn from him and I pattern myself even in the way that he conducts himself. So, so one day his son is going to get old enough to want to dress like him. And then somebody's going to look at his son and say, you walk just like your dad. Somebody's going to look at his son and say, you talk just like your dad. Somebody's going to look at his son and say, you dress just like your dad. You, you sing, your, your, your dad does this hand movement thing, and you do the exact same thing too. The idea, I hope you guys are seeing this image, the idea of a mathetes, a disciple or a pupil, is one who is a learner from his or her master. So we're not, so, we're not only concerned about learning from the things that he says, right? We're learning from his entire person and being. Let me go a little, a little further with this. So I'm, I'm, I'm so close to my master that not only am I learning from him, not only am, am, am I trying to imitate or mirror him, but I'm eating the same things he eats. 
I'm breathing the same air he breathes. Where he goes, I go. Where he sleeps, I sleep. You see where I'm going with this? And so the idea of a, 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 a disciple is one whose life, or whether he or she, one whose life is fully devoted to following this individual. You guys with me? So when we get that imagery, I'm hoping that we understand what it means a little bit more now to be a disciple of Jesus. Because not only am I listening to what Jesus says, that's one aspect, and that's a, a really huge aspect, right? But I'm also mirroring, mirroring and patterning his lifestyle, the way he speaks, the way he deals with people and all that type of stuff. It's a mirroring of sorts. And so here is what, thank you, bro. Here is what, here is what John would do. And, and we, we'll, we'll, we'll open this up in just a little bit. Somebody just let me know the time because I'm seeing a time there, but I don't know how much time I have, and that could be a detriment to all of us. <laughs> but come with me into the book of John, if you're there, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. And I'm going to ask somebody who has a loud, booming voice to just read verse 31 and 32 for us. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Feel free to read that text when you have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, repeat that one more time. But I, I, want you to, I want you to read that like if you were saying it. I want you to preach, read that for me. Nice booming voice. Pre preach, read. You're, you're on the pulpit right now. Preach this. Preach this. Uh-huh. Hold on. So, so Jesus is speaking to some Jews here. Now, here's the interesting about what John does. John's gospel, as far as the compilation of his gospel, it's a little, I've seen a little bit. I'm exaggerating. It's a lot different from your, your regular Matthew, Mark, and Luke type of account, Right? John is not so much concerned about giving, uh, you, you know, a, an outline of all the things that Jesus did from the time he was born to the time he was lifted up. That's, that's not really John's concern. John's concern, as he is writing to most likely people who are believers, John's concern is showcasing Jesus as not sim simply being a man of flesh. John's concern is showcasing Jesus as, in fact, though coming in the flesh, being deity. That's to say, John's concern in all of his writing from, from chapter 1 all the way down to the end of the book is to show Jesus as being equal, if not God himself. So notice how John 1, 1 starts off. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were created by him, and without him was not anything created that was made. So he points them back to the Genesis account in terms of creation. You make your way down to verse number 14. It said, that word which was with God and that word which was God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So John's gospel is designed to show Jesus as not simply being a man walking the earth. John's gospel is designed to show Jesus as also being deity or God. And so as you go through the, this, 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 this discourse in the book of John, John will develop a theme, a fundamental theme that Jesus himself will talk about throughout 
this particular gospel account, and it's the theme of discipleship. What does it take to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Notice what I just said. What does it take to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Notice what I just said. What does it take to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Now, let me share this with you, and we'll move on. I, I am not so concerned about the, the traditional teaching points of this text. Uh, the traditional teaching point of this text is all meant to show the one true church. I'm not so concerned about that. I'm trying to help us to understand that as Jesus talks about individuals who would, who would have a relationship with him, as Jesus talks about individuals who would be his followers, he wants them to know it's one thing to be following after me. It's, one, it's a next thing to be a true disciple. So if you think about it, this world has how many millions and billions of individuals who claim Christianity, but how many of those individuals are true disciples, all right? That's why Jesus himself would say many, uh, will say, Lord, Lord, uh, but he will say in the end, depart from me, I never knew you, all right? So it's one thing to, to call Lord, Lord, it's a next thing to have a relationship. It's one thing to be a baptized believer, a Christian. It's another thing to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. He is not calling us to simply be Christians. He is calling us to be true disciples. You guys following me? And so I believe if we have more and more individuals who are true disciples, we, have, we will have more and more individuals who are devoted to the mission and the cause of Jesus Christ. So he says this, number one, we are looking at three identifying marks of a true disciple. He says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Of all the things that we might have confusion about in this world, Jesus says, if you continue in my word, my word will allow you to open up your minds in moments of doubt. If you continue in my word, you will have a freedom like you have never known before. If you continue in my word, fear and doubt will not have part nor parcel in your heart. If you continue in my word, you shall be free and free indeed. But notice it's contingent on staying in the word. So number one, as you think about what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, if you and I are to claim the title of being true disciples, we must be individuals who are adherents to the word of Jesus. Don't start off following Jesus and somewhere along the way you stop and then claim or think that we will end up getting glory as our, as our reward. No, no, no. We have to continue from the beginning of our journey all the way through until either Jesus comes or, or until our eyes close. We continue day in and day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year come, year go. We continue abiding in this truth, in this word. So if one of the, the identifying marks is that we have to continue in the word, does it not say, therefore, that we need to know the word? Yes or no? If we have to continue in something, does it not stand to reason that we have to know the thing we ought to continue in? In other words, Christianity is, is, is not a religion that, that, that is based solely, notice what I'm saying, solely on feelings. Well, this, this is how I feel. This is what I think. I find your opinions might have a place, but when it comes to, to God's word and you, you measure your word with, with God's word with your opinion, I'm telling you, our opinions as human beings doesn't stand any weight whatsoever when it comes to the commands of God. So you might think something is right. You might think 
something is good. You might, you might feel, well, we could do this and we could do that, but the real standard is not how we feel or how we view it, how we think or how we think it should be done. The real standard of individuals who are disciples or true disciples of Jesus are people who continue to adhere to his teachings. Um, Brother Witt, let me know how much more time I have, please. I really want to know. All right? Here's what I want us to see. Because some people might have some issues with this and say, well, so that means all we need to do is follow after the words or the teachings of Jesus. And that's true. But here's what I want us to see. Come with me into John chapter number 17. And I want us to see this transition that God, that Jesus makes before he even leaves the earth. And so for those who think, well, you know what? So all of the writings of the apostles, and we have some people that are saying that, you know, all these epistles that are written by Paul and others, they don't hold weight. The real weight for us is simply the words of Jesus in red in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And so we have some people that would say that. Come with me into John, the Gospel of John chapter 17. Jesus is praying over his disciples. And as he is praying over his disciples, he makes known, to, he makes known some things. Come down to about verse number 6. And we'll just skip and go as we go along. In verse number 6, it said, I have manifested your name. He's praying to God. I have manifested your name to men whom you have given me out of the world. So notice, he is praying to God about these men that uh, his name has been manifested to us. They were yours, but you gave them to me, and they have kept whose word? Your word. Jump down to verse number 9. In verse number 9, follow with me. I pray for... For them, I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, right? Come down to verse number 11. I am no longer in the world, but those or these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Come down to verse number 14. Just follow me with this. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Come down to verse number 15. I do not pray that you should take who? Them out of the world, but that you should keep them from evil one. Verse number 16. How does it start? They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them. Through thy truth, thy word is truth. Jump down to verse number 20 and we'll, we'll be done with this. I do not pray for these alone, but I pray for all those who would believe on me. Through whose word? Their word, right? So lest you think that Jesus is simply saying that to keep my, my word or continuing my word simply means following the, the, the red, letter, red letter words in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He is transferring authority that he had from God to these individuals who would become apostles. Fast forward because we don't have time. Fast forward into Acts chapter number 2 on the day of Pentecost when about 3,000 souls were saved. It said, and it would say this, and they, who is it they? About 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly, check this, in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, 
and prayers. What are you saying, Brother Morgan? I'm saying when Jesus uses continuing the word as an identifying trait of true discipleship, we have to appreciate and understand that word or authority is trans transferred over to the to would-be apostles. So when we talk about continuing in the words or continuing in the teachings of Jesus, we have to appreciate that that also translates to mean we need to continue in the apostles' doctrine. So I'm just trying to help us to understand that if we talk about being real or true disciples, authentic Christians, we have to be people who are continuing in the word. Church, we need to know it if we have to do it. All right? Secondly, let me come really quickly. Nobody is telling me the time. Come with me to chapter 13. <laughs> Come with me to chapter 13. Come with me to chapter 13. So the first identifying trait is to continue in the word. Repeat after me, continue in the word. So that's the first identifying mark of a true disciple, someone who is continuing in the word of Jesus, continuing the word of God. And so I hope you notice that progression into the apostles, all right? In John chapter 13, make your way down to verse number 34 and 35. We'll be done in about 10 minutes. Is that all right? Five? Okay, five. See, I, I was doing my thing and asking all the time. Uh, five minutes, all right. So here's the second identifying trait or mark of a true disciple found in the Gospel of John, according to Jesus. Remember, these are all progressions that John is highlighting in Jesus as he is preaching to these individuals who were followers of his. In verse 34, it says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. This By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Some translations would have disciples indeed in that you love one another, all right? And so you think about it for a second. We'll go to the third one in, 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 a, in, a, really, in a jiffy. But I want you to think about it this way. If we are talking about three main identifying markers, and there are others, but these are highlighted really clearly for us to see based on the language. Number one, we are talking about a learner, a pupil, a disciple, a Christian, a true Christian, who is a follower or a continuing to follow, follow person in the word of God, right? That's number one. But remember I said, as I was using the illustration of, of, of Jonathan, it's more than simply adhering to verbal commands. We must now learn to imitate the lifestyle and the behavior of the person we are following. And so if we are following Jesus, who was a bigger lover than Jesus? Could you think of anybody who was a bigger lover than Jesus? And I'm, I mean, we have some husbands here who love their wives. I would hope the, the men would have said amen, brother. <laughs> let, me, let me show you how it goes, guys. We have some women here who love their husbands. Amen. amen. I was listening for you. <laughs> but in as much as we, we, we appreciate and we grow in that type of physical love, brother to sister, friend to friend, husband to wife, that type of thing, Jesus is the biggest lover that you could encounter. You know why? When you think about what Paul writes in the book of, to the brethren in Rome, he says, listen, when you and I were without strength, in due time Christ, Christ died for us. When you and I were enemies with God, think about that. Will you die for your enemy? Let me hear you. you know, I'm not asking you to answer that. 
But, you know, the reality is if you ask somebody who is a person in the world to die for their enemy, you know, if you ask somebody in the world to sacrifice their son, their only son, the son they've been hoping for and, 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 and doing all, this, all these different procedures for, and I finally got this son, and you ask me to sacrifice this son for that low-down, dirty shame in the grass, what? <laughs> you walk away, right? That's the thinking in the world, self-preservation. But now he's talking about self-sacrifice through love. So here's his second identifying trait and marker of a true disciple. When you have people, he says that you love one another. When you have people who learn to love each other so much that you can't help but see it, you are drawn to it. I, I'm telling you, there is power in love. Repeat with me, there is power in love. There is power in love. Love covers a multitude of sins. So not only are we talking about people who are continuing in the world, but we're talking about people whose example of love is so strong and so bright that this world that is in darkness is just drawn to this. If the church was caught up in chaos and filled with division, what would attract an already lost and dying world? What would attract me if, if my house is already in chaos, my, my dad is strung out on alcohol, my mom, you know, she's just a, a person of the night. Let me put it nicely. If, if, if my siblings are just at odds with each other and my life is all messed up, what will draw me to church or ultimately to Christ if the, the church is divided and full of discourse? So love is actually a strong component in actually drawing people closer and closer Almighty God. You guys get that? So number one, we are talking about people who continue the word. Number two, we are talking about people who love and love unconditionally. Let me show you the extent of this love and we'll go to number three. Notice the standard of the love as Jesus says is as I have loved you. Let me repeat that one more time. We are talking about love and loving, loving as a trait of good discipleship, true discipleship, the standard for that love, he said, is as I have loved you. Let me show you, and, let me show you, and hopefully you appreciate this. Anybody here ever sinned before? Did some stuff that you, 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 you wish you could just forget? Said some things that you wish you could take back? but you can't because it's already out there and everybody knows. Anybody here ever felt as you looked at yourself and as you, you did those self-reflection and those introspection, have you ever felt like you're not worthy? And I'm saying in spite of what you think about yourself, Christ was willing enough to say, I love you enough to give my life for you. So notice this, and we'll move on to the last one. I have three minutes. Notice this, he says, as I have loved you, so you love one another. Remember when Jesus was on the cross? It's easy for us to say we forgive somebody when it is, you know, that person is loving us back and we had a little spat. And so, you know, I forgive you, I forgive you. It's hard to forgive somebody when they've done something physical to us. It's hard for us to forgive somebody when they've done something to our husbands or wives or kids. It's, it's really hard. And so, you remember when Jesus was on the cross? He was already beaten. He was already stripped. He was already mocked. He was already spat upon. He was, he, the, the crown of thorns was already placed on his head. I mean, 
Just the worst of mankind was already done to him and placed upon him. And yet while on the cross, you remember what he said? All right, Father, forgive them for they what? They, they don't know. You remember Stephen, after speaking truth to these Jewish leaders, being stoned, and the middle somewhere of him being stoned and drawing his last breath, Remember the words that Luke records, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When you and I have to model love, we have to also learn to model forgiveness. As I have loved you, so you love one another. So that's the second identifying mark. Come really quickly now as we close to John chapter 15. I'll just, I'll just give this into your hearing, and we will close. So in John chapter 15, reading from verse number 1, it says this, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, I want you to note this, guys, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, he says, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abide in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and withered, and they gather them together and throw them into the fire, and they are burnt. If you abide in me, he says, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done to you. Verse number 8, and we'll be done. This, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so will you be my disciples. For our reference, I want you to think about Galatians chapter 1. Chapter 5, sorry, verses 22 and 23. Uh, and you will have that as we close. So as we think about these identifying marks of a true disciple, these are the three things that John clearly, and I said there are others, but these are the three things that John clearly outlines for us through the words of Jesus that we need to be modeling if we deem ourselves as disciples of his number one. People who continue in the word. And by virtue of continuing means we need to know it. So church... We need to get back to those days of actually knowing what Scripture says. I'm going to leave that right here. Number two, not only does he talk about individuals who continue in the way, but he says, listen, the, the love that is seen is one that, that exemplifies the way that I have loved you. So the second, the second identifying trait is that of loving one another. And then thirdly, as we close, third identifying trait of a true disciple is one who is bearing fruit. I submit to you the fruit there is not simply bringing more people to Christ, as some may have concluded. But the fruit there is developing within us and cultivating in us the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, tenderness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. So if we are growing in fruit... It means that we are abiding in him. And if we are abiding in him, it means that we will love like him. These are the three identifying marks, at least, of a disciple of Jesus Christ. So I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope that
that you could use it. I hope that it, would, uh, it will impact you as you continue on, as we continue on in our Christian journey. God bless you all as we conclude on today.